Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sam. And today we're going to talk about basically all things 1L. I know a lot of you guys are getting ready to start in the fall, and we are gearing our content towards you guys, of course. And basically, we got the question of what do you learn in each of your 1L classes? So we're going to give you all a very general description and kind of dive into some words that you might need to know. And then we're going to wrap it up with a little Q&A. Rapid fire. We love a good rapid fire. Also, thank you to everyone who submitted questions because this was the best response we've ever gotten. Yeah, definitely. Um, Thank you a lot. I... uh, like to be very open and honest with you guys. And so I'm really glad, you know, when we put it out there, you guys respond. There's not much more we could ask for than that. Just a quick breakdown. So a few of the classes, um, I'm pretty sure every single first year law student at every single school has to take the same classes. I'm almost completely positive. I think it ranges some. I know some people take constitutional law a little bit sooner than others, but it's basically the same. Yeah. And and I mean, uh, property and torts is broken up in a little bit of a different way. So yeah, basically when we go through that, we'll kind of tell you what it might be grouped with. Mm-hmm. And But so, we won't be covering constitutional law today yes. because we actually haven't taken that class. We take it at our law school as two us. Yes. So first semester, you're going to take contracts one, torts, civil procedure one, legal research and writing, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, it seems like so little now. But okay, so then second semester, you're going to take contracts two. We took property, and then we take criminal law, and then civil procedure two, and then legal research and writing two. So those are the classes that we took both semesters. Yeah. So I guess the first one that's the most important, I think, because I think most attorneys are going to be dealing with contractual work, um, would be contracts. Yeah, it's definitely a very important class. Some people compare it to business law, a class that some people might have taken in undergrad. And it's definitely one of the most important classes that you'll have in law school. As Samantha said, it's a basically a full year class. I know we actually had a listener that was taking it this summer and um, I asked her, are you taking the full class? And she said it's the full class. So I don't know if that is true, but if it is... um, that's very exciting and mm-hmm. you're going to have, it's going to be a whirlwind yeah. and, and you're going to cover a lot of things. And I mean, there's no, there's not a doubt in my mind that you could do it all. Um, I know our professor was very just eloquent and um, very capturing. So his year long class was one of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, he was a story. It's actually sad because he retired this year. Yeah. This is last year. So unfortunately, you know, we ended on Zoom, but you know, he was a very good storyteller and 
he actually wrote his own textbook. So yeah, he's like a boss. But I guess we can start off with like what are contracts. So really, it's like a document that businesses, entities, individuals, I mean, I'm sure you've looked at a lease and looked at several contracts. Every time you go online and you sign a terms and conditions and you click that box, that's a contract too. So, yeah. And basically the class is made up of where you're introduced into what a contract is, what makes a contract, your intent to the the contract, did the parties sign, you know, a lot of these different things, assent, information, and then you have consideration and those two things make up a contract. And then you're going to have the defenses to the contract. And that is the part where I feel like Ascent, formation, consideration, you could easily do in a summer class. Mm-hmm. Um, the defenses are going to be, uh, you could take a whole nother class, to be honest, just on the defenses to a contract. So um, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, going into contracts, uh, most people, like I said, it's a very normal thing in everyday life to have contracts, but it's really interesting to know how in-depth contracts get in like one word could mean something completely different from to one party than it does to the other party so it's just about being spe- like the specifics of it right there's you know there's conditions and covenants and warranties and um you know example like a covenant is like a promise if you break that that's breach right breach of contract would be if you do not follow through with the contract you would could sue somebody for breach of Yes. And that's where you get your liability from. Um, the next class. So this is the one that I mentioned before, torts and property. I know some law schools um, have it all together and it's just torts, but our school breaks it up into torts and property. In torts, you're going to have two main things. Basically, you're going to have intentional torts, which makes up of a battery, assault, false imprisonment. Um, And these are where you can hold someone liable in a civil case, not a criminal case. And the also the other side of that is negligence, which is a whole beast among itself. So those basic two topics are what you're going to learn in torts. And and in real life, these would be like cases that personal injury um, would kind of be like slip and fall. Um, you know, you're at a Walmart. There's a big puddle. You flip, you slip, and then oh, their Walmart Walmart is going to be found negligent, right? So that's like a basic example of yeah. And medical malpractice is another example of um, a torts case. And then in property law, you're basically going to learn about everything to do with property. So there's three basic types of property that you have real property, which is like land, um, your house, things like that. And then you have intangible property like IP and um, patents and trademarks and things like that. And that's where the IP intellectual property comes into play. But regardless, (laughs) you're going to learn basically about mostly real property and property class. And and this has everything to do with what you'll later learn is real estates and Mm -hmm. real estate law and transactions and things of that nature, you know, with everything going on right now, I've been watching a lot of documentaries and about Black Lives Matter and redlining is something we learned about in property class. And it's something that has been brought up many times in almost every single documentary that I've watched. And so you're going to learn about that. And you're going to, our teacher did a really great job of teaching us about the Fair Housing Act and why these things are the way they are. And you basically get to see the history and legislation come into place. And it, Gives me hope for sure. 
I think property is one of those classes that um, is the most practical for most people, like even not law students, yeah. because everybody's dealing with leases. If you buy a house, like what are your property lines? Can somebody just like cross your property and not like not tell you? Yeah. Can, you know, I mean, we learned about like adverse possession where someone can go sit in a ha- like someone's house really and end mm-hmm. up, pos- you know, taking possession of it. Yeah. So, um, Everyone can relate to a property situation, I think, and, you know, easements as there's something that if you own a house or you live basically wherever you live, there's easements. So that was just a whole chapter in the book. And you basically just deep dive into all these um, terms that maybe you didn't realize were legal and have a lot to do with everyday life. Also, I just want to make a note. I thought it was really interesting. Like you talked about like the Fair Housing Act and like the ADA and all that. Um there's so much rights for like tenants that you don't like mm-hmm. we don't even know about. Yeah. Um, so I really recommend anybody um, who's thinking about law school, like, I don't know, read up a few leases and you'll I think that's a great way to just even have an idea of what you're going to get into. Yeah, 100%. So um, criminal law is the next one we're going to talk about. That's the class that we took this past semester. And um, basically, it's everything that you see on tv like yeah like like the big stuff you know like this is why we came to law school i think a lot of well not why we came to law school but i know a lot of people come to law school because it's what they wanted yeah and i think that's what you most resonate with because that's what we've been exposed to like civil cases are about money like i'm not going to deny that criminal cases are not so it's about people's lives right and we are more susceptible to or excuse me We've most likely been presented to the criminal court or criminal law at some point in your life. And especially as aspiring attorneys, you're right. We, we've seen it a lot on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, if you don't watch crime shows now, watch. You will. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. If you want to get your feet wet, like if you are a zero L right now, get your feet wet. Watch some Netflix documentaries about crime. Like there's a great trial by media the trials of Gabriel Fernandez, you talked mm-hmm. about the 13th, like there's so many criminal justice resources out there that you can really know a lot more than probably I did before I went into criminal. And I thought I knew. About, but Yeah. I mean, oh gosh. I mean, you could talk about it forever. I mean, our, our criminal justice system is a whole nother thing, but criminal law in itself is obviously what those people in all those documentaries that we talk about were charged with, right? It's crimes. And in this class, you learn what makes up a crime and how those prosecutors prove that these people are criminals. So there's the actus reus, which is the act itself. Mm -hmm. And then there's the mens rea, which I'm sure if you've watched 2020, you've probably heard of that too, but that's like the mental aspect behind it. Like, were they intentional? Did they knowledge, like, like... We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you are currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McBadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? 
Absolutely. The twists and turns and never lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Yeah, basically, like, what was their mental intent at the moment of the crime? And does it meet the statute requirement for them to be convicted? And basically, all crimes that fall under that are basically all crimes, murder, homicide, you know, assault, robbery, burglary, all the different types of murder, they all have certain types of mens rea and a certain type of act. And it's all written um, stately in statutes. So, and that's where you go and that's where the prosecutors and the DA's office go to press charges against a criminal. And um, in also in criminal law, like there's the model penal code, which is what you'll be looking at a lot. And not every state uses the model penal code but they use it more as like a baseline of like how to interpret statutes so yeah i mean that's really a gist of criminal yeah and i mean it makes sense that there would be a model penal code because the states are writing their own laws so they need a model to model it off of but they don't have to do it right states right so your teacher will say what's the difference between common law and model penal code and that's basically what they're talking about we're talking about well, how does this differ from what the statute says versus what what does knowingly mean here versus knowingly mean there? And you'll learn that different crimes have different ways of looking at it. And some states just automatically adopt the model penal code. And it's a good thing that they do. So you'll recognize that as well. So the next class we will talk about is civil procedure. Now, civil procedure was a class that I was the most afraid of um, first semester because as teacher... I mean, she's awesome. Now that I look back, I shouldn't have been scared of her, but I was. <laughs> and I think that's what made the subject really intimidating to me. So I feel like first semester for me, I um, could have done a lot better if I just wasn't scared. Yeah, I mean, and whenever we talked with Val, we talked about being really nervous in class and, you know, worrying about it and not paying attention because you're just <laughs> sitting there stressed out about getting cold called. And that was definitely one of the classes where, I mean, I would get a manicure and I would pick off every single piece of paint <laughs> on my fingers in that one class because I was so nervous. I would literally sweat through my t-shirt. I had to wear a sweater to class so my sweat wouldn't be like showing on my shirt. <laughs> I was so nervous every single day. Yeah. But civil procedure is just about basically how the case moved through the court system. Yeah. And it's a civil case, right? So Mm -hmm. basically there's two types of law and you have civil law and criminal law. And civil law combines contracts, torts, property, all those classes that we talked about before. And civil procedure is the overview of basically how that court system works, how you bring a case to court, 
and what all you need to basically get that done. And also in that class, you even just talk about the documents that you produce. So, I mean, it's a fundamental building block class and I now understand why everyone talks about it and why on Barbary, on Edgy T14s, everyone talks about Sibpro and everybody, you know, it looms over the 1L, right? Because it's a big class, but it's also one of those classes that you need and you appreciate in the long run. I think um, since you'll be starting your internship pretty soon, like I think I definitely know that all of the stuff that we've learned in CIPRO from like jurisdiction to like complaints, like all of that I'm seeing firsthand finally. And mm-hmm. I think I'm finally fully getting it. So I'm sure yeah. like once you start, you'll the, the same. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> your last class that we took at least, I mean, I, like I said, I know some people take, they do early start or you, you know, every law school has weight, like works on a three semester system instead of just two semesters, you know? So some of these classes we might have missed um, for some of you guys, but, you know, also don't be afraid to reach out to us and ask us about a class. I mean, we're also going to give you guys some resources uh, to where to go if you don't like know how to figure it out, because there's a lot of times you don't, but that's getting off topic. <laughs> Our last basic subject that you'll have for sure your 1L year is LRW, Legal Research and Writing, which people say is the most important class. Oh, I Definitely can attest that it is the most important class because every single intern I've talked to, I mean, they're writing, they're writing motions, they're writing up responses, like all this stuff is about writing. I mean, your job as an attorney is to be a good writer, a convincing writer, a great legal researcher and writer. Yeah, exactly. And this class basically teaches you the fundamentals of how to do that and it's that's why it's so important your teacher is shape, helping shape your mind and shape the lawyer that you're going to be so use them to the best of your advantage um i know i definitely did and even still wish i would have more in the beginning right but there's a few different documents that you will most likely write i mean obviously we can't speak to what everyone does i've said that a lot of times in this episode already but there's a few things that you'll pro- most likely do not sure your time frame and that you definitely will 100% do in your internship after 1L, like Samantha said. So the first big um, paper that we had to turn in was first semester, and it was a legal memorandum. So, you know, they give us the facts, they give us, um, you know, the case really, and we have to present legal research that we made. And um, basically, it would be like to present to our head attorney or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the first one. That was the one that I talked about a few episodes, episodes yeah. ago where I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely like if you can get your hands on a memo, yeah, read it, read it. And if you work at a law firm, you probably wrote a few memos. I mean, very generally, it's basically a document where you've done legal research and now you're writing it up in a sense to tell someone else so that they can use it to go forward with the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just like Samantha said, we didn't have any idea what we were doing. I mean, I bet it we wrote it for three weeks. I mean, most attorneys write these in hours. Um, if you have a really big memo that you need to do or brief do, you're probably going to do it. You might stay up all night, but like most likely it's only going to be a few day thing, not weeks. So just remember that when you're doing your memo. I know I finally put all the puzzle pieces together and was like, okay, so this memo that we're writing, basically the law you're going to learn throughout law school is what you're going to put in these memos and these briefs that you're going to 
submit to the court or you're going to submit to your attorneys or your um, supervisors, excuse me. Um, yeah. I mean, you couldn't have explained it better. I think that, um, yeah, sometimes you just need to see the big picture. And uh, now I do. So yeah, that's all that, that matters. Is good. Our next assignment that was big was our trial brief. Mm -hmm. So this was basically a summary, right? That you're going to give to the judge. You're explaining your position and it's your argument. Like you're going to have a conclusion, you know, you're going to spit out the facts. You're going to have some cases in there that back you up and that's what you're going to present to the judge. And basically this is your first time to really be persuasive and have an argument stance. Um, because whenever you're going in front of the court, that's the way you have to present your argument. Let's say um, your trial brief goes through, right? It, let's say you're a lawyer at this point. Oh, you need an appeal, right? Mm -hmm. So that is when you write your appellate brief. And that was our big assignment, like final one L year assignment. Um, so that would be an appellate court, right? So you, they've already made a decision. And you're either appealing or the one being appealed Again, so yeah, the appell ant is the one who brings the case, which is the ant brings the case like a little ant. Mm -hmm. Appellee is the one who most likely won in the lower court and is getting appealed against. So the appellate brief basically is so large and such a big undertaking because you have to basically use the lower court's opinion, look at all their arguments, cases, and everything. And if you're the appellee, then you're just arguing their case again. If you're the appellant, you're going against it and you're finding cases that are different. And um, of course, you know, our teachers give us wiggle room and don't tell us certain details on purpose to make the argument for a good argument sake. Um, so the appellate brief is, like I said, very large and you have to include a lot of documents that were in the prior opinion. Um, so that's why it is so big. Yeah, the appellate brief is just, it's very specific the way you have to set it up. So I think that also takes time. But also, um, at least at our school, we use our appellate brief as like the base for our oral, oral arguments. So whatever we argued, I mean, some people had to argue the opposite side of their appellate brief. But luckily for me, I was able to argue the side that I wrote for my appellate brief. And in a normal non-corona world, we would have um, been in like a competition but obviously, like, we didn't have that this year. Yeah. And I know some schools did have their um, oral argument competition. And um, one more thing I want to distinguish, because I know I definitely didn't know this before, but the difference between moot court and mock trial is um, moot court is an appellate style argument. So an appellate style argument is where you present your argument and there's a panel of judges. Um, that's like the Supreme Court, Court of Appeals, things like that. And then you have mock trial, which it would be like, basically your law and order, right? Um, where you have a defendant and they're on the stand and you have, you know, you, you, uh, and what would you, when you question your witness? Um, yeah. Whenever you question your witness, interrogate them. Is that what it's called when they're in the cross, seat? Cross-examine? Cross-examine, yeah. See, we haven't had like a trial yeah. class yet. So I think that's still like, I think we'll get exposure this summer, but not, not to the extent that we would normally. Yeah, I mean, it's very different, guys, not being um, able to go out there and, like, really get boots on the ground mm -hmm. with COVID and everything. So I know that you're learning with us. So we're just really <laughs> vulnerable with you guys. And, yeah. like, sometimes we don't know all the answers, right? But mock trial and moot court are obviously different things. And 
um, you can, there's multiple teams for both, most likely at your school. So be on the lookout for those. If you've ever been on debate, that's something, but also if you just, you know, know that you need to like get more prepared and practice your arguments, like these are ways that you can do that. So be on the lookout for that at your school. I think um, just on the topic of oral arguments, and I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but a really good resource, if you just want to know what an oral argument sounds like, you can go on Oyez, and there's a ton of them, and the transcripts out there too, so you don't even have to listen to it, you can just read through the transcript, or listen to it and read the transcript, but it's really interesting. Yeah, and these are some of the best oral arguers like in the country, they wouldn't be arguing in front of the Supreme Court if they weren't. Um, I don't know if, does Oyez have other ones? Um, you know what? I am not sure, but you know what? I bet what? it's probably only the Supreme Court if I, I thought, so. because that's what's recorded. Yeah. But you know what? What we can do, um, we can link, um, one of the cases that we had to listen to, mm-hmm. to prepare for all our arguments. I can link that in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. Yeah. And whenever we talked about Lisa Blatt, um, that was one of the cases that we listened to. Um, and I mean... Like, you just listen to her start talking. And it's nice whenever you listen to those because you hear people fumble. You hear people make mistakes. They're human. It's going to happen. So just make sure you relax when you're going to do your oral argument. And when you're and just practice. I think practice makes perfect so much in yes. this case. Yes. I mean, this is pretty far away for you, Zero Ls. But, I mean... I cannot tell you how nice it was to have people to practice with. And even though we were Zooming, we were just Zooming each other, spitting out questions, you know, curveballing. And yeah, it really helps. It's a big, um, it's a must. Practicing is a must. But now we're going to do a little Q&A as promised. Um, we have quite a few questions. So I guess we'll just take turns um, reading them and then... Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. So we're just going to kind of go through these quickly. And like a few of these we've already answered. So we'll just um, briefly touch on them. So first question was recommendations for the week or the night before one all starts. Okay, I'm trying to think back of like what I did, because obviously you don't just start one L. You have to go to orientation. Honestly, the week before and night before I was just a nervous wreck. I, you know, night before I got my outfit out and I tried to go to bed early, but honestly I couldn't sleep. I think it's just one of those things that's nerve wracking. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I would just try and relax as much as you can. I mean, you're going to be nervous regardless. It's going to be really hard to sleep. It's going to be hard to eat. Um, just try and like be in as much as a normal routine as you can. Cause once you get there and once the jitters kind of settle throughout the day, orientation is going to be a long day or day process. So once that all wears down, you're going to be kind of emotionally because you've been so amped up, you know, think about it. And you're going to need to like have a routine. So relax, try to get some sleep. Just remember that everyone feels the same way and that it's going to all be okay. It's a really good process. I remember having a drink with someone before I started and she was so excited for me. And I was just like, so nervous. I couldn't (laughs) understand what she meant and now I feel that for all of you guys because it's so exciting and you're you're really just gonna have the time of your life and you're gonna learn so much and I mean yeah from that point forward when you start orientation it's pretty much like the rest of your life has changed you know like you're in law school you're about to start your legal journey and now the next step after you pass law school is the bar so like you've already done most of what you've had to do now you just have to crank out law school so 
Um, okay, so the next question we got was, how much time are you spending a day studying? How much time are you prepping for class? And what about the weekends? So how much time you spend studying a day obviously varies. I know it takes people sometimes longer to do their work and everything like that. But the best advice I ever got and the best advice I ever kept to was treating it like a job and going to the school from eight to nine, I mean, excuse me, eight to five, nine to five, one of like an eight hour time frame, and really just working as much as I could and being dedicated to it. So you're going to be spending a lot of time. I mean, eight hours minimum. I think um, one of our teachers even told us too, like you should be spending between 40 to 45 to maybe even 50 hours a week doing law school. And that's includes your class time, but that's additional time after that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends because I can remember times where like, I didn't really have much to do. Like I would have done my readings. Um, and I, I mean, I would just call it a day at five o'clock, but there was also days where like, if we were writing our appellate brief or our trial brief, where we're going to be up all night or like, it's going to be very, very long days. Like we're going to be leaving the law school at night. So it kind of just depends because there's certain periods of times during the semester where it's just, there's more to do. Right. So beginning of the semester, it can be pretty chill um, if you keep up with your work. But I feel towards the end is when things start building up and you just spend more time. Obviously, finals are coming like come up towards the end. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you might find yourself with more time at the beginning. But like there's there's almost always something that you can be doing or reviewing or prepping, reading some kind of supplement. So it really is no time to be like not doing anything, sadly, yeah. as much as I don't always live by that myself. For the how much time for prepping for class, I think that also depends. I mean, there's been times where I just have to read the cases um, the night before and I'm fine for the next day. But there's also times where we prep an hour or or less or more, depending on the day. Um, as a study group, we'll prep before class. So I think it kind of depends. Yeah, I mean, preparing for class differs. I mean, I think you're going to do it in that 8 to 5, 9 to 5 range. You're going to read. You're going to go over maybe your notes from last time. You're going to just kind of grasp the overall topic. And if you have that, then that's basically prepared enough for class. And you're going to go into class and learn and basically fill in the gaps of anything you didn't really understand through reading. Mm -hmm. And what about weekends? So I think she was wondering, like, if you do work on the weekends and yeah, you do, you 100% do. I know there's like, we only really had one day off and I guess I would take like basically like Friday evenings off, Saturdays off, Um, but Sundays you, you usually have to work. So yeah, I think the way that we set up our reading schedule, which we also mentioned before, if you set it up like that, you should have at least like a day where to breathe and not I mean, even if you're maybe leisurely reading your law school stuff, you don't, I mean, it's, I think I really, really, really would recommend everybody to take at least a half day off once a week. If you can take a whole day off, I would recommend that. But I know some people just can't, but I think that really resets me for the week. Like I need that day off. Yeah. Whenever you say some people just can't, it's because your anxiety won't let you And I mean, so you really can, you just need to understand that you have limits as a person and you have to rest and, you know, taking that time for yourself will only make you better in the end. So, I mean, 
it's important to have a day off. I know like even having like the, basically for me, it might've been like two days off, right? That could be considered too much in some people's eyes, but I mean, there were a lot of times that I would still be working, right? So it's just however you tell yourself and give yourself those breaks is really important on the weekends. All right. So the next question we got was, how do I prepare for all online classes? Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a real case for a lot of people out there. I mean, to be honest, I don't really know how to prepare for all online classes. I think make sure you have a study space that you feel comfortable in, um, a good chair to sit in, because I know like that's probably my biggest thing, like a good desk chair, a good desk. Yeah. And just buckle in because it's going to be easily distracting. Mm -hmm. Yes. I would say, okay, so obviously last semester we started in person and then ended on Zoom. And this time we're starting on Zoom and staying on Zoom for the whole semester for summer. Um, And I guess the only thing I would really recommend if you know you're going to be all online is definitely get your study aids, um, either purchase them or if your school offers them for free, I would go ahead and download all of those um, to just start off because I have found it really hard to concentrate. Um, in online law school, so I have been relying heavily on a study aid, which would be like a glanning guide type of thing. Um, also, ask your professors if the lectures are going to be recorded, because that could really help when you're going to start outlining and maybe have to, maybe if you spaced out. I mean, for two hours plus a day for three days a week for the summer, it's and plus working, I think it's easily, it's very easy to get distracted. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. All right. The next question is tips on living alone. Yes. So I don't know. This one's hard. I think a lot of people probably live alone for their first time in law school because in undergrad, you most likely have roommates and now you're going to a place that's different and no one wants to live with a random roommate. So a lot of us end up living alone. It can be nice. I know at first I was really scared, but basically you just have to learn to embrace it and enjoy yourself and find things that you really like. And I think everybody kind of finds themselves really enjoying living alone mm-hmm. to, once they do live alone. So I didn't live alone my first semester. I lived, um, I had a roommate and I lived in a house. So For me, that just didn't really work out. So I ended up moving by myself and I can definitely attest that it's, for me at least, it's way better. I feel like I have, um, I mean, especially because I am with like at school, a study group usually all day. It's nice to come home and just kind of have a quiet second. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I am kind of with my friends most of the time, you know, so it is nice when, and I think we all also know like sometimes we just all need to be alone for a second, you know? Yeah. I mean, everyone needs time to rejuvenate and recoup and whenever you're basically at your job from eight to five sometimes even later like it's nice to have a place to go home that you can decompress for sure so we also got a question on balancing school with like housework and cleaning and keeping up with like your life and making sure that everything doesn't fall apart (laughs) and I know that it can seem like the world is falling when you're in law school because you just like can't get a hold on anything because you're juggling so many different things but also I just find it really funny because I know both of us do this we clean like as a stress reliever so if you're not like that then well okay 
balancing school with chores. So like you said, I am the kind of person that if I have like a lot to do and I see a mess, I'm going to be like, I'm probably going to clean up the mess before I do my homework. And that's just who I am. Right. So I, I mean, I just let myself do it because then I can relax and not be distracted at the mess when I'm doing homework. So I'm probably not the best person to ask this. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think that like you have to be in the right mental state to work and by work, I mean like read or review cases or whatever. So if there's a mess and the mess stresses you out and makes you more anxious and makes you like pay attention to that and not your work, then you definitely need to clean it up. I think it also is going to be different. Like, I mean, this is more aimed towards people who are going to be all online and you're going to be at home all the time. Like that to me is more of the situation I'm talking about because yeah, I mean, I'll have things to do and still want to clean, but if I'm at the school or something, I'm not going to like run home and do chores um, rather than work. Exactly. I mean, it's going to be like when you go home for the night and you need to do other things. And just like I said, like that, if you end up taking one day or half day off, like you can probably knock out most of the things you need to do that day. Next question. How far should you read ahead? So, I mean, that's the great debate, right? Like, I know there's so many people saying so many different things. I know that the listener that asked us was like, I don't know what to do. And I think it just is a few factors, right? What is your schedule like? How's your time management? And if you're going to follow through on your reading plan, you can have a schedule all you want, but if you don't act on it and follow through then because it doesn't actually work for you, then you have to be realistic. And um, like we've said, we usually try, it's not always happening, but we do try to do like two or even the day ahead. I mean, lately, to be honest with work starting, I've been reading the day of for class um, just because I'm still trying to figure out how my schedule works. And it's pretty much I don't like I don't even know when to work out on work days you know yeah I mean for summer it's different you only have one class it's very like dense dense. you're gonna have like 100 pages a night so I mean I basically just read during the day the day of like she said whenever I have free time I'll basically it's basically just like my leisure book right I'm just reading criminal procedure so Summer class is a little different, right? But I think, once again, when you get on a routine during the school year and you are reading, you know, 20 pages for each class, it adds up to be, what, 60 pages a night? So Mm -hmm. when you have it organized out and managed out, it's easy to follow through. Totally agree. All right. Next question. How do you get involved? Um, And if you are involved, how do you balance the workload? So... Our contracts professor gave us really good advice and as one else to only join one club. I know we didn't necessarily do that, but we also ended up really only participating in very like a few of them. So find one club. Maybe you do like a few of them, but maybe you go to the first meeting of three of them, let's say, and you pick the one that you feel most like you fit in or that you most want to be involved with or you like the people there the best, whatever it may be. And go to their meetings. Most of the time, you're going to get free food. And it's a nice way to meet people and make friends. I agree. And also, as a 1L, no one's forcing you to go to these things. Like, you don't have to. I mean, like us, we're going to be most involved, like, our 2L year. So as a 1L, don't feel pressured that you need to make every meeting or that you need to join every club. Like, that's not the case. Everyone knows you're a 1L and, like... 
you're just trying to get a handle on everything. No one expects you to be there every meeting and like so involved. I mean, if you are like props to you, but if you're not and you're stressed, like studying comes first, school comes first. So don't be afraid to like put yourself first. All right. Next question. How do you balance life with studying and adjusting to law school? I feel like this is pretty similar to balancing school with chores because it is like your life balancing life stuff. I mean, it's just about making your routine. And I know we say this a lot, but it really like a routine really makes things happen. You know? Yeah. I think this question is like kind of very broad for a reason. I think it's like, how do you balance like everything that life gives you in going to law school and trying to become this lawyer? I think we've talked to we talk about becoming this new version of yourself and it's intimidating and it's a lot. And how do you balance that? Like that's overwhelming. That gives you anxiety just thinking about it. Right. So my best advice really is to realize that you're on a journey, that this isn't going to happen overnight. It's a three years of just school and then you're in practice. So, you know, it's one day at a time. How do you eat an elephant? You know, you take it one step at a time. And I mean, balancing life, like, you know, you're saying like chores and I think time management is a huge thing that you have to learn and you have to be real with yourself and you have to realize that you're going to have to put in some hard work to be able to achieve a goal that you have. And so if that isn't the case, you know, life kind of become, it kind of goes together and that adjustment basically bleeds it into one, right? Your life becomes law school and you become a lawyer. I think also a big part of like balancing that is like you're going to have to learn to make sacrifices in some places, right? Like Mm -hmm. balancing life in law school might be like you can't go home for the weekend and go to someone's birthday party because law school comes first. So that's also about like setting. um, We talked about this, like telling your family and stuff beforehand, like this is going to be I'm going to be very busy. I don't I can't commit to a lot of things yet because I don't know. So that's also like I think feel like balancing your past life, right? This life that you had before law school, because Mm -hmm. it drastically does change. Your time goes somewhere else now, you know? Yeah. And managing those expectations, like you're saying. Next, someone asked, what were the best online resources, aka where do you go when you don't understand? (laughs) All right. At Quimby, please sponsor us. We've given you a lot of money because our school doesn't provide it to us and we really love you guys. But other than that, like we're (laughs) like, no, but really. Quimby has been very good for cases because there's a lot of cases that you'll read that are kind of confusing and they old like maybe use old language and it, maybe the writer is just very um not what you're used to reading. Mm-hmm. So Quimby has really helped me in that aspect. Yeah, and most likely your library um provides digital resources for you. I know like West Academic e products like subscription something like that basically has like all the supplements, horn book style books that are out there online so you can look at them. And so you're going to kind of like have to test the waters with different supplements and different horn books because you're going to figure out what you, what speaks to you and what set, what set up basically in the way it's organized works best for you. And I know we've used everything from explanations and examples to just the Glennon guide um, because Glenn and Guide also makes explanation and examples. It's like all these different types of books that you can have. So like there is has to be something out there that for everyone. 
Also some just online things that like, let's say your school doesn't have the subscription. Mm -hmm. There's also Cali.org, which most likely your school has an account for you. Um, and they have a lot of um, modules that you go through for a lot of 1L subjects. And I believe it's also 2L subjects, a limited amount. Also, there's Barbary. And I'm sure you've heard of Barbary. It's um, a big company who kind of does like bar exam prep. And they also have like a 1L, 2L, 3L um, module slash outlines and quizzes that you can take. Yeah, Barbary so. is one of like with a law student, I think you get it for free. So Barbary's a free one, um, Cali's a free one, Quimby's not free, you have to pay for it. So are the, most likely the subscription, if it's not through your school, it's for West Academic Online, you probably have to pay for like a subscription. I don't know if there's a way to like see all of them, but you can also buy physical copies of these books, the Glanning Guides, Explanations and Examples. There's like mass outline, um, like it's basically like Civ Pro and it's like a huge outline and it's in this book. So you can rent those or you can buy them. I know I rented a few and bought a few and they were super helpful. I think uh, a hidden gem that we've figured out probably these past few months and maybe even a little longer than that is Scribd. S-C-R-I-B-D. Yeah. So a lot of people will upload um, their outlines, charts, just things to study with from other schools, um, usually for free. I mean, sometimes you do have to pay for the subscription, but you can get it for free and then download a bunch of stuff and then end the subscription. But I know it was really nice to kind of uh, sift through those and kind of look at other people's, like what they're learning and see if I can take any of their good charts and stuff and kind of make them my own. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really helpful, but also like YouTube. We looked up YouTube a lot of times. I mean, a lot of the Quimby stuff is on YouTube. Yeah, I was about to say that would be another free resource, Mm -hmm. YouTube. But other than that, I mean, there's a lot of free stuff online. And usually if you have a question, you can find the answer. Yeah, and just simply Googling it. I know Cornell Law has like, basically if you Google anything, Cornell Law like pops up for it. So Mm -hmm. just, you know, online resources. I mean, we gave you some good ones, but Googling it is also an an option as well yeah i mean you'd be surprised how many people are out there making a lot of study materials i guess talking about studying sharing outlines versus not sharing is it too competitive to share i mean i think this is like a very personal thing i think it's up to the individual um i know that sharing outlines is one of the ways that people are benefited in law school because it helps, you know, understand what the teacher is going to go through and also kind of the bigger picture of what the class is going to be like. I know outlines from past students have helped me tremendously. And obviously, if people didn't share those, I wouldn't have them. So I'm definitely for sharing. I think if you're going to share with like your classmates, um, in the class with you, I think that's where the competition kind of comes from because you're going to be like competing for grades. I think it's up to you, you know? I think there's definitely been times where I didn't want to give someone my work, but there's also been times where it didn't really bother me. So it's very situational, I would say. Yeah, I think it depends. Um, for me, like I know certain classes, like I definitely have to outline for for me to understand it. And honestly, sometimes I'm putting in like a lot of lot of hours and work into it. And I don't know if I'm really comfortable with sharing it. It kind of depends on the class too. 
there's classes where I outline and it doesn't really take that long. It takes just, you know, the normal time to outline. And there's some that I really go in on. So I think um, it kind of depends on, you know, if you feel comfortable sharing with it. Also, I like to double check and make sure my stuff is right because I would really hate to give someone an outline and it like have something wrong on it. So yeah, then they might think you're trying to like come after them. Exactly. So, um, but I do, I do definitely think that if you receive, like I would have no problem if I made a good grade in the class now to maybe share my outline with a one L after I'm already done with those classes. I just don't know with other than my study group, I'm probably not going to be sharing my outline with anybody. I think it's during that class. Yeah. And I think it's part of like the circle of law school life to pass on your outlines to one else. So, and like I said, like that's what's helped me so much. So I will most definitely be doing that. But I mean, like I said, it's a personal thing. If some people just really are against it and I don't know why. Also, a lot of the outlines that circulate are usually just from like the students who made really good grades. Mm -hmm. So not everyone is out there giving out outlines yeah. I mean the, the, the I, I feel like every time I receive an outline it's probably I've already seen it because it's the same students you know and everyone yeah. kind of has the same students one or um maybe they have a different professor so that can kind of change things too because mm-hmm. it's going to be tailored specifically to uh, a type of class of course all right we just have a few more Yes. Um, so we're going to go through these quickly. I know we're, we're reaching 50 minutes here, but. Wow. This is going to be one of our longest episodes, <laughs> yes. but I mean, I want to answer these questions for you guys. And I know like we've touched on some of these like a little bit, but we've never really just straight up answered you guys' questions. So yep. I like this law school supplies. Are you just good with a pack of highlighters? What else do you need? <laughs> so I'm like a crazy person and I love color in my book and it helps me read and like understand things and break it down. So I have like felt tip pins. I have highlighters. I have pins like regular ballpoint pins. So, and legal pads is definitely another thing that I would suggest getting. But other than that, I think you should be good. I mean, uh, yeah, I would say, um, folders to keep loose papers. Um, I would honest, I would consider this like a supply, like a printer. Oh, for sure. Printer. Definitely invest in a printer. Um, cause even if, if your school has one, like yeah. you never know. Because I mean, when Corona happened, thank God I had a printer because I wouldn't have been able to print out anything. Um, so, you know, invest in a printer. That's really important. I have these highlighters that are like pastel colored and they're very light. So they're not like the bright yellow kind. And I can link those below cause I feel like. People yeah. People ask like you about those. You should link them. Yeah. I'll link those below, but like I, I mean, you, and we'll, you're we'll link, more, we'll link, um, my felt tip pins because yeah. I've gone asked about that I, I don't, yeah. And also a book stand. We can link the book stand. Book stand we've been asked, big one. Book stand is another big one, but also don't, I would say feel it out and don't go all out because I know I did. And then I ended up book briefing for like a few months and then I stopped and I just started using one highlighter and one pen. Yeah. So like, and sometimes you get crazier. Like I started using yeah, more like color. Haley, Haley got crazier and I got less crazy. Like we kind of switched yeah. off. And also like maybe post-it notes or like tabs is another good school supplies to have because um, you can like tab certain parts of your book or like if you're reading to a certain point, you can put a post-it note and it tells you, okay, I'm going to stop here and leave it for class next time, you know? So I know we went through a lot of different school supplies yeah. just then, but we'll link them down below. We'll link it below and give you like a little. It's, yeah, it's it really all. not, Most it's not Amazon. that 
complicated because I felt the same thing. I was like, what do supplies do I get? Yeah. Like, do I have to get a new backpack? Like all that stuff. Yeah. I guess about, honestly, now that we're talking about it, get a backpack that's sturdy, that's going to help. These books are heavy. Yeah, very heavy. So you don't want to be having a flimsy backpack. That's going to break on you or anything like that. Make sure you have a water bottle. Yeah. Hand sanitizer, a mask, most likely if you're going into school now. Um, but obviously highlighters are a good place to start. And then, you know, basic school supplies from there. Oh, and binders too, because some people do the binder system and like put all their notes in a binder. Some people take computer notes. Some people write on legal pads. So like once you figure out your way of doing it, like Samantha was saying, then you can kind of run with that. All right. What books to read, how to prepare for LSAT and how to choose where to apply, et cetera. So I know we have touched on how to choose where to apply and we get this question a lot, but the LSAC website is such a huge help. It basically tells you like, if you get this score, like this is where you could get in. And once you actually know your score, you can um, see where you have the best chance of getting in, but preparing for the LSAT and what books to read to prepare for the LSAT, I think is um, the one L book that we read is a great one. We'll link that below. and simply just signing up for a Kaplan course, a Barbary course, um, any of those online courses that can get you go ahead and start like getting you ready for the LSAT would be super beneficial. Mm -hmm. Um, I prepared for the LSAT with books. And then the second time I took it, I used online. So I think it really depends on like your budget. Um, how you feel comfortable. Like after you take that first practice test, like you may not need much, um, you know, practice. Yeah. Maybe you just need to go take it for real. Yeah, exactly. So I think it just depends. Just feel it out. I always tell everyone just take the LSAT and start from there. Um, like a practice one, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like don't, don't just sign up for the LSAT. I mean, we actually, our friend, um, she did on the first try really good. So like, yeah, I mean, she also happen. had a criminal justice degree undergrad. And I think she was exposed to a lot of different things. So it wasn't so cold turkey as some might think of like, I'm just going to go take the LSAT and go to law school, yeah. you know? But she definitely like didn't study and didn't um, practice logic games or anything like that like we did. So it is doable with, with really just going in mm-hmm. with just your knowledge that you have. Um, you mentioned the LSAC website and I do you think that that's a great place? There's also another website that I I can't really remember the name of it right now, but I'll link it below. Um, it's a website basically like LSAC, but it's like real life. Um, it's like live admissions, right? So you'll make an account, you'll put your LSAT score and your GPA, and you can select schools and kind of see live as people are getting admitted. So most people have an account and every time they get into a school, they'll log in and put if they've been accepted, denied, how much scholarship money they got, or if they got waitlisted. And mm. you can see their scores and their uh, all their scores and GPAs. So it can give you a really great idea of like where you can get in. Mm, that's very cool. So we got to ask the question, I'm lost on how to structure my notebook note system. I mean, girlfriend, everyone is <laughs> back to our school supplies <laughs> topic. I mean, you kind of just have to go with what works best for you. Some people print things out. Some people take notes on their computer. It also matters like what your teacher allows and what your school allows. Some teachers are like no computer, no phone, no nothing, you know, and you have to take handwritten notes. Yeah. I mean, you're going to learn in law school, like the answer is always going to be like, it depends. It depends on yeah. if you can take notes on your computer or 
or handwritten, but I, mean, I think you're going to have to, if you write handwritten notes, you're going to have to transfer them to an outline. So make sure you take handwritten notes that you can read. Mm-hmm. If you take them on your computer, you're probably still going to take notes on your computer and then transfer it to an outline. So basically just have notes that you take during class and then stuff that you follow up with later um, whenever you're reviewing and putting it all together after you've gone to class and everything. I found that this semester, um, towards the beginning, obviously, when we were in school, I found that printing out like questions for class or my case briefs and then writing my notes on the back of my case briefs, like on the page, that was kind of like how I organized a lot of my classes. I would also take handwritten notes, but honestly, it's, it's for me, it's too hard to keep up with everything that's going on and take handwritten notes that are um, just on paper. I don't know why. I really like to have it on my case brief. That's just me. Yeah. I think it makes it a little organized and you can just, like you said, you know, like it's not just like a piece of paper flying around in your binder. It has your case brief on it. You can reference that with your notes to kind of put it all together. Also, like they recommend to handwrite because it, you know, it sticks in your brain longer. And then there's some professors that just won't let you have your laptop out. So. And we had that. So that's the reason we had to take handwritten notes. And I think in almost all my classes, I just took handwritten notes until the middle of, not even the middle, but like, I guess the middle of when we were there before spring break of mm-hmm. this past semester, I took some notes on my computer, but I mean, it was basically the same process. Next question. Freakishly prep or chill out the summer before 1L? Um, I think that you definitely needed to to chill I mean your life is gonna be like really busy in the fall and spring and like forever after this so um I know we got asked as well like should I be doing anything to prepare the summer I mean the simplest thing you can do is read leisurely be familiar with like different legal terms I mean it's hard to know like where to go with that but um we'll link some books that I know that you can read and some podcasts that you can listen to um just to kind of get familiar but regardless of that, like don't do anything else. Don't try to read like your books beforehand or anything like that. Just relax and, um, try to enjoy your time that you have left of being free. Basically. I think, um, if I didn't have a summer job this past summer before one L I probably would have freakishly prepped out and been really on edge about it. But since I did have a job, like I had that as a distraction and I wasn't really able to chill out to be honest. But yeah, I mean, maybe just plan ahead. I mean, read the books that we've been plugging. There's also a podcast, um, Law School Toolbox, and they're like two lawyers who um, have had this podcast for a while, and they were pretty helpful. Um, They both went to like Ivy League, so it's a little different than like us. But, you know, I found that very helpful for me. Yeah, and How to Think Like a Lawyer is another good podcast, but we'll link those for you guys below. We also got asked a question about how do we feel or have we felt the need for anxiety medication? What do you think? Okay, so I've definitely felt more anxious than I ever have in my life. Medication, I think I can figure out how to handle my anxiety in different ways, whether it's exercise or crocheting I don't know like there's just different ways that I've been dealing with it mostly exercise lately because we've been training for the 10k but what about you I mean I don't really have experience with this so yeah I mean I have taken medication for anxiety since I was like in high school 
So, I mean, I absolutely encourage people, like, if they feel the need to, like, take something or see someone, like, they should do that. I mean, it's different for everyone. Some people take, you know, a, a serotonin, an SSRI, a serotonin uptake inhibitor. And some people, you know, do CBD drops or THC drops, or some people choose to, like you said, exercise a lot. But I think that sometimes you can do all of those things. I don't think you can, it just has to be one. I think everyone is different and it's a case by case basis. And just like everything in law school, it depends on the person. So, I mean, if that is something like, if you really do feel that way, and I mean, I would totally encourage you to talk to your general practitioner. There's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of people, there's a stigma around it. And, you know, especially in our profession, you don't want to come across as weak. But I mean, if you want to be the best version of yourself, you have to put yourself first. Yeah. And I I mean, schools offer counseling services that I know a lot of our friends use, which can be also helpful. I also know that sometimes you just have to go talk to somebody. Like I know that I had a friend who was dealing with anxiety and they didn't really want to see a doctor. And then finally, when they did, you know, they did get their medication and their life is much better because they have that under control now. So really, like if you feel like you're getting anxious, it doesn't hurt to talk to somebody, whether it's a counselor or it's your doctor, like you said. And it can be a group of those, you know, like a all different, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It, it's different for everybody, what you need. And sometimes you just kind of have to test them all out. And some people start taking medication and hate it. You know, you hear that sometimes and some people swear by it. I'm one of those who swear by it, but also like there's a lot of people who don't want to take medication. And I understand that. It's like we said, case by case basis. Yep. All right. What are the best tips for staying organized? Um, I think it's one of those things that it's kind of like inherently within you or not um, being an organized person. I think that if the person is someone who is asking this question is most likely an organized person. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, labeling things, tabbing things, um, like having the post-it note in your book telling you where to stop, um, writing down like having a calendar and writing down all your dates um, will help and help you manage your time really well which is very important in being organized I think like we have our friend who loves to write everything down and that's how she stays organized um I like to put things in my google cal or in my phone as notes I also use like specific highlight colors I well I used to right now now that I kind of know how law textbooks work I don't really need to at this point but at first I definitely was color coding all my highlights in my book for like the holding and the issue, because that would just help me stay organized um, and be able to recognize it immediately. So, um, yeah, I think that's that on that. Okay, what's the first week of law school like? I have no idea what I'm walking into. Um, so you're probably going to have orientation before you have your first week of law school, but it's going to be basically like just like all the shows you've seen in paper or all the movies, paper chase, legally blonde, like you're going to go in and it's going to be, you know, most likely leveled seating. You're going to sit next to your classmates and they're just going to start going in. So make sure you read whatever you need to read and you might not understand what's going on and things might be really hard to understand at first, but like that's how everyone builds in the room. So 
don't stress about that. Just know that you're going to be in a classroom with a lot of people and there's a chance you'll get called on and, you know, just try to muddle your way through. There's going to be people who try to show out. There always are. There's going to be people who have absolutely no idea what's going on. I mean, it's going to be on both sides of the spectrum. Just try to be somewhere in the middle and stay afloat and you'll be good to go. Yeah. I mean, I think the first week is what you make it. You can either be super nervous about it like I was, or you could probably chill out and I probably should have chilled out um, looking back. Right. But because it's not, it's really not as bad as you think it's going to be. I remember walking into class and being so scared, taking notes on everything the professor said and walking out and being like, whoa, like what? Like that was my first law class. Like what's going on? But then as you keep on going, you just get used to it. It just becomes second nature. It's just like, okay, you just walk into class, you know, there's a chance to get called on and that's it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I think, and also with your first week, like you're going to meet a lot of people and you're going to be like doing all the small talk and like the new stuff where you're like going to get lunch and stuff. So it's not all just bad. Like you're going to meet a lot of new people. You're going to do a lot of new things. It's going to be like a completely different situation and probably throw you out of your comfort zone totally, but you only grow when you're out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be an awesome experience. I know it. I would really compare it to like starting college when you're meeting all new people most likely you're in a new city for a lot of people you're in a new city um so it is nice because since everyone's on the same boat they're all feeling the same and everyone wants to make friends most likely the first week so that's also a positive I mean that's when I met my friends so well week before the first week yeah all right so we had another question is just the best tips for staying organized on top of assignments we've kind of already touched on that yeah and I mean back to like I think obviously staying organized we touched on that but on top of assignments we've gotten asked that question like how to keep up with everything and um I think that goes back to like your reading schedule and like just an overall um organization with your time is the best way to stay on top of everything I think yeah I mean I know it's we sound like a broken record but it's really organization time management routine yeah and I think we just like also feel like we're saying it so much because we've just like so many people have the same question. But I mean, it makes sense because we all have the same questions, you know, we're all like, oh, my gosh. And everyone kind of has their own way of like thinking about it. Like, mm-hmm. how, you know, the organization, like the school supplies, the organization, like how do I write my notes? Like some, you know, everyone's how do I different. organize my life. Like, how do I move in? You know, yeah. I think everyone just has their own little tweaks of how we worry and stress about and things and how it manifests. what we focus on. Yeah, and it manifests into exactly like, oh my gosh, you know, and I think it's really good advice that you say you should have relaxed more because I know there are a lot of people out there like you that are stressed and worried and just so nervous and wound up. And guys, let me tell you, it's going to be okay. Do something with your time and keep yourself busy. I mean, no one wants to just be sitting there. Also, if you know yourself, like, do what makes you happy and like relieve stress, whatever that might be so that you can be relaxed and ready to go so that you are just like ready to jump in, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm just going to repeat what you said. Relax, please. Cause I know I didn't. And I like, it really, really, honestly, it messed up a lot of my time. Um, me being anxious, nervous, not paying attention. Cause I, 
didn't even know what was going on. I felt like, you know, we talked about imposter syndrome. That's a huge thing at the beginning for me. Like when I wouldn't necessarily maybe know the answer if the, you know, I would like, well, if I got cold called, I definitely wouldn't know that. And then it starts creeping in the imposter syndrome. But I think if you can relax and just think like everyone's on the same boat, we're all in this together. Like this is just so, so, um, temporary. Yeah. And you just have to push through. Yeah. And it's almost like when Dory says, just keep swimming. Like that's all you have to do is just keep swimming. Like just hang in there. I think it's easy to like get down on yourself. It's easy to like shun yourself or make yourself like say like, Oh, you're not good enough, but be kind to yourself, soften your heart a little bit. Um, be forgiving because you're going to need some grace. Everyone is going to need some grace. Remember that when someone has a bad cold call and know that that could be you. And while it might feel good to joke around and laugh about someone else because it makes you feel better, like be kind and have grace and know that everyone has a crappy day and it's coming for you. It could have been you. Yeah. And that's like another thing with, um, you know, we had a whole cold calling episode and um, we talked about how like no one's going to remember if you mess up. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's on the premise that everyone's just thinking the same way, right? That it's not that big of a deal. Like everyone's in this together. Like we're, we're having each other's backs. Um, so I would just really try to be like that as a law student. Like don't be the judgmental person. If someone does do bad, um, try, like you said, have grace, be nice to people. Cause you know what, if you're nice to everybody, most likely they're going to be nice to you. And if you mess up, you know, yeah, and you're going to be able to get help and be able to talk to people and make friends. No one wants to be friends with the mean person, you know? So our last question is how to study for law school exams. I know we have two episodes deep diving into this, and there are so many ways to study for law school exams, but the number one answer is outlining. And obviously a lot of teacher, everyone says that, I'm sure people are like, oh, outlining. But I mean, seriously, like you have to go through the subject. It, I mean, you have to see the information one to two to three times minimum just to really like get it. I mean, you read it the first time you go to class, you review your notes, it's your third time and your outlining helps with that. It helps you see the bigger picture and it ultimately like helps you know the information that you need on the exam. And that's why everyone tells you to do it because it's basically the only way. We might not have answered your question directly, but I know that we answered it at least a roundabout way. I know a few people submitted questions um, after we already started recording. But basically, guys, we're going to make sure and link all the resources that we talked about today. I know there are going to be a lot. It's going to be some work, hard work for us. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to make sure we give all of that so that you guys can use that later on and any of any other zero L's and almost one else out there as y'all get ready to go in the coming years. And I think we'll probably do um, this summer, probably towards the middle slash end of summer, another one of these kinds of Q&As, just in case you guys come up with more questions. I mean, I know I had so many questions and that's the whole reason, like the premise behind this podcast is because we wish that we had had someone who could answer all the things. Um, and we really want to be that for you guys. So you know, don't feel afraid to reach out to us, DM us. We, um, if we don't DM you the day of back, we will get back to you. We always do. You can even email us. I mean, 
DM us personally if you have personal questions. Like we really are here for you guys. Yeah. And as always, guys, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and rate and subscribe wherever you listen. I know this was a long one, but thanks for tuning in, you guys. Yep. Um, Yeah. Stay safe. Talk to you later, guys. See you on next Monday. Bye. Bye.